Hey, everybody. Welcome to Save Your Sorry. I am your host, Katrina Rochelle, here with my co-host, Jose Angel, where we talk about the rise and fall of your favorite or rather least favorite celebrities. So today, Jose is going to be taking center stage and talking about a couple people. Am I mistaken? Yeah, I have two little stories. About... Did you hear how my voice went up? <laughs> I know. <laughs> Just keep it like that the whole time. <laughs> I guess the theme for this episode is protest. There's mm-hmm. a protest song and then a protest at the Olympics. All right. So it's about standing up for what you believe in. Yes. And we did take last week off. I know we still released an episode, but that was from the vault. So this was going to be our like Black History episode, but it's a little late. Yes, and plus I'm black, so <laughs> is I mean we're just we're just on some different time right now. So the first one I'm going to talk about is the singer Billie Holiday. Are you a Billie Holiday fan? Okay, so this is where uh, I become uncultured. I know about Billie Holiday. I've watched and listened to her. I cannot tell you a particular song but i've heard her music okay you're canceled i i know like (laughs) hand in your black card bitch (laughs) no (laughs) um i'm kind of a billy holiday fan and i say that because i used to buy those like 40s compilation cds like rockin 40s or this is the 40s albums so now I, that's what I call 40s. <laughs> yeah. So I would always hear her and I kind of like grew up with her, but I didn't like really know who she was or could pick out her songs until I was older. Mm-hmm. And that seems about right. You've always been like like an old soul, especially when it comes to like music. I've noticed that about you. Yeah, I went through this phase where that's all I would listen to is like 40s music. Mm. Billy had a really amazing and tragic life story, and we would be barely scratching the surface to, to fit both the stories we have for this episode in here. Billy Holiday was born as Eleanor Fagan on April 7th, 1915. Okay. Making her an Aries. Mm. I don't know many Aries, honestly. I don't think I know any, so I don't know if this is good or bad. <laughs> you know my brother. Oh, your brother's an Aries? Yeah. Well, I, I, I'm i sorry, Billy. That's a point against you. <laughs> I will never forgive your brother for not letting me litter. That's a shame. It's said that on her birth certificate, it is. it was as Eleanor Harris, but it later got changed to Eleanor Fagan. I will be referring to her as Billy, just so it's not confusing. Okay. I feel like that was like a dispute, like like a father dispute or a mother dispute. Like, why her name get changed? Hmm. Well, I don't know. <laughs> it's <kind of> complicated. <laughs> we're we're going to have to hit up dark mysteries. <laughs> yeah, it, like, there's been several different spellings. I know for a time she, like, had to go and find her birth certificate. So when she traveled, she could get that. And mm. the record keeping maybe wasn't that good back then. I mean, it's 1915. Yep, I can see that. <laughs> yeah. So she got her name, Billy, from an actress, Billy Dove, that she liked, and Holiday was her father's last name. So then. When a plan comes together. Yeah. So that's her stage name, and that's what she went on and as later in life. And I'll just be referring to her as that, just so I'm not throwing out all these different names. So with a lot of Billy's life, there is some debate about things like. Her mom, Sadie, was anywhere between 13 and 19 years old when she had Billy. Ooh, 13. That's tough. Yeah. and I I, I hope and pray it's on the other end of the scale. And Billy's autobiography, she says that her mom was 13. They say the census records make her more to be 18. Mm, They could have fudged it. Yeah. And a lot of the times I know back in the day, people either lied about their age, didn't know record keeping I mean, it's it's really hard to say. Yeah. Oof. Sadie and Billy's father did not last long together. Billy's father was a musician and was traveling a lot. Papa Sadie was a Rolling Stone. Papa was a Rolling Stone. Sadie and Billy lived in Baltimore, but Sadie could make more money being a maid in New York. So Billy had to live with family members while Sadie was working. Plus, you know, she's a single mom. She 
barely has any time to watch a young child at that time. Yeah, she's figuring that out. If I got to be away from my child, I might as well be making bank. Yeah. When Billy was nine, she was sent away to the House of Good Shepherd for skipping so much school. And House of Good Shepherd was a facility for troubled African-American girls. Shame. We were segregated. (laughs) She was there from January 1925 to August, so about eight months. And then she was returned to her mother. In December, when Billy was 10, a neighbor, Billy called Mr. Dick, told Billy her mom was going to meet her at this other house. And Billy being a child, and this was kind of before the whole stranger danger movement, Billy went with the neighbor and waited for her mom. Oh, no. Yeah. Okay. Uh, That's what I thought. Yeah, trigger warning. Okay. Billy says a woman left them in a house, and they waited for her mom, and they kept telling Billy, oh, your mom's coming. She's just late. And after a while, Billy started to fall asleep. Mr. Dick takes Billy to the back room and tries to rape her. Billy screams and kicks him and tries to fight him off. The woman comes in and she tries to hold Billy down. Billy says when she takes a moment to catch her breath, she hears some screaming and it's her mother and a police officer and they break down the door and stop Mr. Dick. And they take him to the police station, but they also take Billy and her mom to the police station. What? Yeah. Billy says she was crying and bleeding, but the police didn't care. They looked at Billy at just 10, and she was already starting to develop, and they were treating her like she enticed Mr. Dick. Oh, my gosh. Everybody except for Billy and her mama need a shot. I know. A bullet. So they put her in a jail cell. Mr. Dick would later be sentenced to five years, but Billy also had to go back to the Catholic institution. That... Fucking God. It's the times, I know, but fuck the times, man. That shit's uh, crazy. Ten years old, a literal child. Like, there's no arguing that. And just because she's starting to develop does not mean, like, she's not a child. No argument whatsoever. That man is an adult. Ain't that bitch? The bitch trying to hold her down the Yeah. Topless? Oh, yeah. Mm-mm. So, I, before... Mm-mm. Before we move on, the only reason her mom even knew where Billy was at was because one of Mr. Dick's girlfriends came to her mom and pretty much told her, keep Billy away from my man. And her mom's like, she's a kid. What are you talking about? But she said, no, she's with my man right now. She's trying to be with him, like pretty much telling her, like, Billy's trying to seduce Mr. Dick. What the? I mean... Great warning, but fucking terrible way to word it. Is everybody on? Is are people on drugs right now? They're, are they not understanding this thing? Yeah, I, she's fucking ten. She's a child. How can a child tell a man where to go and what to do and how to do it? And it wasn't even uh, as a warning as like you know, watch yeah. out for him. It was more of a warning, like keep her away because she's trying to do something. All the onus is on the child. This man sounds like. He's a he was a regular pedophile, number one, and he could have been um, what's the fucking word I'm looking for? Like a pimp or something. Yeah. Like, why do you have a woman warning Billy's mom to keep her away? And then you have a woman who's willing to be an accomplice to you possibly trying to rape this child. You got too many women at your disposal and people who are protecting you. Sounds. Mm. Suspect. Also, I think it was just an attempted rape. I'm not too sure because in her autobiography, she mentioned bleeding. Oh, you just don't know. But later when she was 12, she says she was raped for the first time by a trumpet player. So, yeah, I don't think in her eyes she was fully raped, but at 12. Something could have happened yeah. at 10, but it wasn't. Which is so fucked up that something like this even happened to her later, but the full assault happened two years later. Yeah. Yeah. You were right. She, she had a hard fucking life and we haven't even left her teens now. And she's not even a teen yet. Yeah. She's yeah. Tim's not a teenager. Uh huh. After leaving the institution for a second time, Billy goes to New York with her mom and at first tries to work as a maid, 
but it did it really worked out the lady would yell at billy and call her the n-word and billy had a smart mouth and in 1927 you can't really be talking back to white ladies like that so Such she was fired <laughs> i'm quick to cuss out any lady nowadays not cuss but you know if you did something i'ma say something but i used to be quiet back in the day <laughs> but you know now white black i'm cussing you all out <laughs> <laughs> yes at 13 billy says her mom found her a place to stay but the place was at a brothel oh my fucking god and a few days later, after Billy moved in, she became a $20 called girl. Because she's she's living in a brothel. Like, man, how how many choices does the woman have? Or how, how many choices does the girl have? Yeah. And I I don't know why. I was trying to see, like, where the mom was living. I don't know if she was living in a brothel, too, or what was going on. But why house heard about though like why couldn't she stay with you at that time i yeah. I, I don't know maybe why she was, technic- maybe she oh, was living with the house that she was a maid as i don't know i don't know i would have kept my daughter as a stowaway before i even would have thought of putting her in a brothel brothel yeah and i like, saw i don't know i saw some reports that her mom might have worked as a sex worker too so i don't know jeez i was gonna say above all else i feel like if you can't protect yourself, you have to try your hardest to protect your children. And if you can't protect your children, you need to send them to somebody who can. Or maybe she, Billy didn't need to be in her, her care, which still would have been a hard life. But at least you knew she, she wouldn't have been growing up in a brothel. Yeah, I know she lived with a cousin named Ida who was really strict. And then when cousin Ida died, her grandparents had her for a little bit but then they said they couldn't take care of her so they shipped her back to her mom yeah damn the madam took five dollars out of every twenty dollars billy made and billy says she had two regular white customers and she preferred the white customers she said the white customers were smaller in size Uh, and billy at this time still afraid of sex like she's (sighs) not wanting to do it and the white customers, it's more like they do it, they're done, they leave. The black customers, according to Billy, are more, oh, don't you want to be my old lady? Is it good for you? Like, kind of making it romancy. And yeah. she didn't want that. And Billy said, And she's a child. She's a child. Yeah, I. It's a lot to take in because she is a child. And it you is. kind of forget that, like, she's doing oh. all this as a little child. So fucked up. Billy says she once was with a black client and he was too big and it really hurt her. So after that, you know, she's just said white customers only. So Billy only wanted white clients. I keep saying customers because I don't know the right word. You don't clients, know how to word this yeah. crazy ass shit. I, I don't understand. know, John. Like, I don't know. You can say any of them. They all fall, fall under the same thing. Nasty ass motherfuckers. So one day, uh, black client comes in and says he wanted billy billy's like no man you know i don't do it with black guys and he's like you're the only black girl here why wouldn't you and he leaves he's angry but then he goes to the cops and the next day billy's arrested why the fuck just billy i she says the cops came to the brothel i don't know how many there were arrested but i know billy for a fact was man I don't know how to feel about it. I just want to kneecap somebody, honestly. I I know. Reading this, it's like so frustrating because you just want to yell at everyone. It's a freaking child. Like, why aren't we protecting this child? And like, there's nothing you could do. It's been so long now. Exactly. And then on one hand, you saying she's arrested. I feel kind of like relieved, like, okay, get this bitch out the brothel. But it's also like you arresting this little child. Uh huh. Instead of protecting her. <sighs> yep. So Billy does spend four months in jail. Oh my God. And when she gets out, she realizes the tall girl life's not for her. Maid life is not for her. She needs a new plan. She knows a couple dances. So she's going to try to be like a dancer at a jazz club or something. Okay. But 
she just like knows like she doesn't know how to do them professionally she's just learned them so when she starts dancing they tell her you can't dance mm. but they asked her if she could sing and billy could sing that's great at least so, somebody was asking her to do something appropriate shit yeah billy starts singing at clubs and she starts getting bigger she's discovered at 18 and she starts recording songs her first commercial song was your mother's son-in-law and in 1937, she gets the title Lady Day, and she starts working with these, you know, the big band kind of music with jazz that's all going around at this time. Mm-hmm. In 1938, she worked with Artie Shaw and his band for eight months, and Artie Shaw is a white guy, Billy is black. They would go touring, and it didn't always end well because it's, you know, this is segregation time. This is a new thing to see a black woman singing with a white band. Mm-hmm. And knowing that, I know she still wouldn't treat it right. Yeah. Because of all the segregation, she probably had to go separate rooms, separate entrances. Exactly. She was not getting paid as much, even though she was probably the lead singer. <laughs> it's like all fucked up. So people didn't like seeing Billy with a white band. Some audience members would yell at her using racial slurs and Billy would yell back. Then you have your standard segregation things, like you said, using the back door, using a different elevator, or sometimes not even be being able to perform with the band. Like if they travel to a specific spot, you especially in the South, you know, they're like, she can't go on there with you guys. Well, like, oh, like a full stop, you can't do anything. Yeah. You know, mm. you guys can perform, she cannot. Uh, there had to be a second white singer who sometimes that would happen. You know, she could perform. The white singer would have to go on. But she wouldn't She wouldn't hit like Billie Holiday. <laughs> she wasn't hitting like Billie Holiday. <laughs> Billy says the last straw was in October of 1938. She was performing with Artie in New York. And something about it being in New York made it worse for Billy. Like, you know, in the South, she kind of expected the racism. Up mm-hmm. north, like, you know, they try to act like they're better. It's more integrated. Like, it's still segregation, but you have these clubs are starting to become, like, you know, white audience members are going there to see the jazz musicians. Yeah, you think things might be turning around. Yeah, so when they were racists more in the north, it, it kind of bugged her more. So... She's performing, and she wasn't allowed to go to the bar or the dining room. She had to leave and enter through the kitchen and just sit in a dark room until she was able to perform. And the last straw was when Billy was not allowed to sing on the radio with Artie, and they separated, and Billy went on to perform at clubs that treated Black artists better. As she should have. Fuck Artie's. <laughs> Artie and his men. They... <laughs> Where I don't want to say that because they eventually did make up. Uh, Billy says she was mad at him at the time. You know, she wasn't getting paid what she thought she was to get paid. But at the end of it, it was kind of bigger than Artie. Like he treated her good for the most part. But, you know, like what I can said, you do? I love Artie. He ain't never treated <laughs> nobody better but Billy. <laughs> Just a little side note. That signature look Billy has where she has those white flowers in her hair. I think they're pronounced gardenias. Yes. Uh, yes. She got that because she was doing something to her hair, like a curling iron or something, and she burnt her head. So she just had to like cover the bald spot with that. And that became her signature. Come on, Black people, you got (laughs) to improvise. I appreciate it because that is her look, though. Well, it's not her main look, but that's like one of those iconic images that you picture her when you say Billie Holiday. Yeah, exactly. Like she, I think it was more early on, but she's walked it off and on. He said, ain't, ain't no hair snafu about to stop this show. <laughs> Go ahead and give me some flowers. <laughs> also, keep in mind, Billy is drinking a lot. She's introduced to opiates and is using other drugs, mostly oh. weed, but she also has an addiction to heroin. And this is all happening behind the scenes. Her mother, Sadie, Billy would go on to buy her a restaurant. And anytime Sadie needed money, Billy would give it to her. But one oh, time when to Billy closed that restaurant then, bitch. One time when Billy asked her mom for money, her mom said no. 
Like I said, we closing down that restaurant, <laughs> Sadie. But her mom sadly did pass. At... Oh, damn. Look at me talking hella <laughs> shit. This is kind of what, according to Billy, like why she's her drug habits kicked up. Oh, yeah. I couldn't imagine if I lost my mom. Yeah. I would. You gonna, y'all going to have to 5150 50 me or something? Uh-huh. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> she also was married three times. I think at this time it's only twice. But each time, the men were not good to her. There was domestic violence involved. They would take her money. Plus, she didn't have no good foundation. She probably she don't probably know what a good man's supposed to do for her. That, yeah, that so exactly. When they are fucked up and they start hurting her mentally or physically, she... It's too. It's, it's basically too late. I would feel like that's how uh, I see most people get in those relationships. Like everything is cool until it's not, and then you stuck and you gotta wait to get out. Yeah, it's very sad. Uh, this is also around the time when Billy started performing the song "Strange Fruit." I know that one, and it's one of her more popular songs. But it's not a song that you just listen for enjoyment. <laughs> yeah yeah i'd say that so strange fruit came from a poem from a jewish man named abel Mirapol. he wrote the poem after seeing a lynching and his version called it bitter fruit mm. somewhere along the ways it changed to strange fruit strange strange fruit and it can you found, say it <laughs> no and it's found its way to billy billy had a specific way of performing the song she would ask the waiters in advance to stop serving at the end of the set and the lights would all go off and just a spotlight on her face as she sang. When she was done, the spotlight would turn off and she would leave. She would not give them any chance to retaliate. Ooh, I like that. And that's why she did it, because she did not want them to react or... Because some of the lyrics are strange for you, if you're listening to this and you don't know what it is, it's... Southern trees bear a strange fruit, blood on the leaves and blood on the root, black bodies swinging in the southern breeze. And, I mean, it really paints a picture. It's not subtle. I would agree. This was in 1938 when she first mm-hmm. started singing it. And yeah. I feel it's still a protest song. Yeah, because it resonates with some people. Yes. Especially, well, not some people, a lot of people, honestly. One person who was against Billie Holiday singing the song was Harry Anslinger. Anslinger was the head of the Federal Bureau of Narcotics, and Anslinger was focused on jazz musicians. Wow, fuck this person. <laughs> you mean to tell me? Okay, keep going. Sorry. <laughs> that, that's crazy. Oh, I hate this song. You have and no I'm... information, Ginger. You're already about to Because off. <laughs> it's like head of narcotics or whatever. I'm focused on jazz musicians and this this black lady singing about racial stuff. And I'm I'm about to shut her down. I already feel it. You're on the right track. <laughs> <laughs> oh, damn. He told Congress his crackdown was not affected musicians, but the jazz type. The black type. Uh Uh-huh. He was the one who pushed for the drug at the time that would most be called hemp or reefer to be Mm -hmm. changed to marijuana. So it got a Spanish name to associate with Mexican laborers. Is that what it's called marijuana now, bitch? Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Fun fact. (laughs) Who knew about that? Because that's a Spanish word. You know what? I should have known about a marijuana. (laughs) (laughs) how did i not but that's that's okay a little history this is what he claimed about marijuana quote it can arouse in blacks and hispanics a state of menacing fury or homicidal attack oh my gosh and he also told this to congress quote colored with big lips lure white women with jazz and marijuana (laughs) i'm sorry that's not funny but don't be calling me no big lip. <laughs> and at also, the song, he has he, not smoked marijuana. <laughs> at the time, he was known as very racist. And you know how racist you have to be to be known as that in the 1930s? 
Oh yeah, because it's prevalent. So somebody must have been like, God damn, you're really racist. This is why he mainly focused on jazz. Yes, you had your white jazz musicians, but some of the big ones at the time were black and Mm -hmm. they would sometimes have a white audience going to listen to them. Billy like that shit. No, he did not like it at all. Uh, (laughs) I didn't put the full quote in here, but it was reported back to him that the jazz musicians, and I might get this quote wrong, that they thought they were playing good, but they were just under the influence of marijuana. (laughs) It's like, you really hate that, all the, you know, riffs and all the noise they're making just that much exactly because now you you hating hating because you saying a few things you're saying that they can't even play that these people in their head think that they good because they smoking but in reality these people are trash (laughs) and it's not like you don't really understand jazz exactly like just say you don't like the music it's not for you Man, and I ain't gonna, but here's what I will, I mean, it's not in a point, it's not a point in his column, but I will say, boy, drugs in the jazz arena around that time was heavy. I mean, you hear about it in the documentaries and the biopics, when you just read about random people who came from jazz or like rock, uh, especially the Black acts, how bad they were in with like smoking uh, sometimes marijuana, but then it coming into heroin is the heroin is what I hear a lot with uh-huh. musicians. I mean, yeah, it's it's in there. It's a part of the culture at the time of the jazz musicians. I mm-hmm. feel like, but Billy was a, was told to stop singing that song because it could incite a riot, and Billy refused. Mm, as she should. As she, should. she don't get arrested. I don't well, know how this ends. You don't. I don't. Oh. Oh, fuck it. So it was about to be a downer for sure. Anslinger, who was opposed to hiring Black agents, hired one named Jimmy Fletcher. And Jimmy Fletcher, his whole role was to get into the inner circle of Billy. And they got really close. Some people say they had an affair, but that's not proven. It's just speculation. I know the new movie portrays it like they got together, but we really just don't know. In 1947... Billy was arrested for possession of narcotics. I knew it. I mm-hmm. knew it. Leading up to this, when Jimmy Fletcher, and they have a scene in the movie, which I didn't watch the movie. I watched clips, but because I didn't want, you know, there's too much fiction in movies. I heard the movie does some good parts, but I wanted to go in there without having a fictionalized account. Is this the movie that? Has uh Audra Day playing Billy yes. Holiday? Okay, I have to. That's on my watch list. I haven't watched it yet, though. I haven't either. They say it's like does a good job portraying the end of her life, but it's I don't know. I'm, I'm not gonna comment on the movie I haven't seen, but they get a lot of facts right. I just haven't watched it because I know there is some dramatization in there. But yeah, I've heard mixed reviews. Yeah, so when Fletcher searches her for drugs. She doesn't have them, and she says she can search me. And she actually strips in front of them, like in a kind of protest. Mm-hmm. Pulls up her titty, la- <laughs> and then she pees on the floor. Oh, girl, you better. But I don't think they found drugs on her then. But in, she was arrested in 1947 for possession of narcotics, and and now defense, they gotta stop up her pee. <laughs> her defense attorney refused to show up. To court to defend her. Oh, fuck him. Or so, her. Yeah, probably him. <laughs> so she didn't even have a defense. She <sighs> she was going through withdrawals and wanted to plead guilty and be sent to a hospital. But she was sent to jail for a year and a day. Again? Oh, my God. That, that, the lawyer definitely got paid off, though. Because what, what other reason? If you already know... Okay. Besides racism, which, I mean... We even know racist lawyers uh, still defend clients and show up. Uh-huh. But what other reason would you have to not show up, period, except for, bitch, somebody gave you a, a bag of money and said, just don't show up to court on Sunday. Like, yeah. Yeah. Definitely, uh, they wanted her in jail. Yeah, even the prosecutor, 
was like, she's a high profile case, but she is an addict. Send her to a hospital type of thing. Yeah, so what the fuck? <laughs> she was released a little early on March 16, 1948 for good behavior. And at the time, you needed a cabaret card to perform at any establishment in New York that sold alcohol. Now, with that arrest, Billy was not able to get that card. Man. So that cuts down her work a lot. You know, she can't work pretty much in New York. Every, everywhere sells alcohol. Mm-hmm. Just a few days after her release, she agreed to play at Carnegie Hall. And it sold out with 2,700 tickets, which was a record at the time. That's great, though. I am I'm. I mean, I don't know exactly what's about to happen, but I'm glad she at least got to sing at Carnegie Hall. Yeah, they say um, it was really surprising because she didn't have like any hit songs at the time. People might have been tuning in for the scandal, but she kind of was having a comeback. Yeah, I would have said, like, word of mouth must have been very powerful. She, Because she's performing after serving a jail sentence. Yes. Like, they must have really wanted her. And she ended up performing there more than 22 times. She was arrested again later, but was acquitted. And... It is debated if she was framed or not for that. What was she arrested for the last and this time? Narcotics again. Mm. I'm gonna say it's a frame job because they ain't sent her to the hospital. Fuck them. I'm glad she got acquitted on that charge. Um, she claimed she was framed, but you don't know because she was relapsing um, and getting sober, so you really don't know. Yeah, you're you're correct. In 1959, Billy went to the hospital for liver and heart problems. While there, she was suffering through heroin withdrawals, and Anslinger had her arrested and handcuffed to her bed. They took her mud shot, they removed the radio, record player, gifts, magazines, and chocolates from her room, and put two guards at the door. She was on methadone to help with the withdrawal symptoms, which helped, but Anslinger ordered it to be stopped. After 10 days, and on July 17th, 1959, at just 44 years old, Um, Billie Holiday died. I fucking knew it when you were saying all this. Oh, my God. At first, I thought they were going to kill her, because why are you taking all her amenities out there and putting guards at the room? Which, if if you ask me, they did murder her. Like, they stopped medicine. Slowly and painfully, in the worst fucking way, those people did that. And unfortunately, if none of these people got, it's going to come down on the ancestors. Anybody related to them people, I'm sorry. Your karma's coming. It, at the last moments of your life, and you could not even be at peace. Like, you had, they, I, I feel like they tortured her. Like, they stopped medicine. They handcuffed her to her bed. They re- denied visitors. Like, you could not give her that. And if there's any doubt that this was race-related, when Anslinger found out Judy Garland had a drug addiction, he advised her to take a longer vacation. And when a senator Anslinger liked had an addiction, he he got him a prescription, like, to the drug, like a legal version of the drug at the local pharmacy. Anslinger. I... I was going to say something very, very graphic, but I just hope he died horribly. <laughs> I mean, I ain't going to be bad. I mean, I'm I'm not saved. I'm not in the church. That man could have died slow and don't put no wear and tear on my heart. <laughs> yeah, I when Billie Holiday died, like it wasn't a big thing in the news. It, I think it said like she barely got mentioned in obituary, like it was a very short notice. And now... You know, after time, she's gotten Grammys and she is recognized for being a star. But really, she, I I see her death being a result of her refusing to stop eating strange fruit. And that's so crazy because that's when all the hard stuff piled on. This man getting involved once she sung this song, this song that's that's only a mirror about society yeah she said she relates to strange fruit because her father died he wasn't lynched but he had pneumonia and a hospital refused to take him because he was black 
If so, they ain't lynching you, they killing you in different ways, just like they killed Billy Holiday. Yeah. Billy Holiday could have le- lived for, a, a, I mean, who knows? Maybe she would have died a, a year later or two, but she, she might have had a chance if she wasn't treated so less than a, less than an animal. Honestly, she wasn't treated like a human being and she wasn't treated even like an animal. She was treated worse. That's crazy. And it, it reminds me of this thing on Twitter and, and I'm not getting it exactly right. Cause I can't pull the exact full quote, but, or not even Twitter it was Instagram where uh, I saw Monique uh, was doing an interview with T.S. Madison and uh, was talking about how all these women are wronged during their careers and their lives and then they die and when they die is when we pay attention and was like oh yeah they were right or oh yeah they were wronged and yeah. that's definitely Billie Holiday fits in there it's like she got maybe some accolades and uh she got to accomplish some good things and great things and she did put her uh she did like she did provide history, but it was nowhere near the scale that happened once she died and people really knew her true story and how hard of a life she lived, which I didn't even know. I knew that she died and it kind of related to drugs, but I did not know the context. I did not know how Strange Fruit was a part of it. So this is honestly all new for me. But that's what it makes me think of is that all these Black women in Hollywood in these different circles are always treated terribly and nobody pays attention until they're gone. And it's very unfortunate. I there's so much more about Billie Holiday, but I wanted to focus on the strange fruit aspect of it. But just her life story, you know, in general, um, mm-hmm. that we did get to touch upon. And they say her life was tragic, but she always had like you know a sense of humor. She always was positive with it. Mm-hmm. saw a silver lining or something like that yeah just how she carried herself and i mean it's kind of like there's so much about her life that's debated which is horrible because i think like you were saying like she wasn't given the respect she deserved at the time when she was alive mm-hmm. that we we just don't know it's kind of lost yeah yeah and you know what's i mean this isn't really about uh towards anything but the, the Strange Fruit um, version I'm more familiar with is actually Nina Simone. I, I th- thought she was the original one at first, too. Me, too, until somebody told me. And then that's when I actually heard Billie Holiday's for the first version. Now, Billie Holiday's isn't bad at all. I, I like it. I will say I still prefer Nina Simone's. Probably because but, you um, heard it first. Yeah, sometimes that happens with me. Whatever I hear first is what I usually like first sometimes. But Billie Holiday has a beautiful voice. Yes. Uh, Crazy He Calls Me is my favorite song of hers. Crazy He Calls Me? I have to look that one uh-huh. up. I'm going to write it down. So now we are in 1968. I feel like we're traveling through time in this episode. In uh, a time machine. Uh-huh. I imagine the song Time Has Come Today is playing. You know, the song that plays when all the movies, shows, and shows, like, show the 60s or 70s. Sure. If if you heard it, you would know. I've heard that before. Yeah, they play in all the movies every time they show a 60s or 70s scene. That definitely sounds familiar. Yeah. So it is just a few months after Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. is assassinated. The civil rights movement is going full steam ahead. Uh, A lot of Black athletes are talking about boycotting the Olympics for better treatment of Black athletes. And that's just a very simplistic way to explain it. I mean, there's a lot more complex in there. And, you know, these athletes, they go to Olympics, they compete for the United States, and then they come back and they're treated like second-class citizens. Mm-hmm, which is crazy because a lot of times they'd be winning out there exactly so the olympic project for human rights was the main group calling for the protests but it was a movement that was going pretty strong i was watching some clips and there is a video on youtube from bots that summarizes it pretty well and a lot of big activists at the time 
we're saying they might protest, they might not, they might show up. Well, most black athletes did end up going to the Olympics in Mexico. The U.S. track team ended up getting 28 medals, breaking eight world records. Two of those being Tommy Smith and John Carlos. Okay. Tommy Smith got gold. John Carlos got bronze. And a white man from Australia named Peter Norman won silver. Smith and Carlos decided when they go up to a podium and stand, they would raise their fists in the air. And I'm pretty sure we've all seen this picture. Yes. They would go out without... They would go out there without their shoes to represent black poverty, beads around their neck to protest lynching, erase black gloved hand to represent black people and oppressed people around the world. Smith and Carlos told Norman what they were planning beforehand. And while Norman didn't raise his fist with them, he did wear an Olympic project for human rights button that the other men also wore. Mm -hmm. Norman was also the one who suggested that they shared gloves because Carlos had forgotten his gloves. And that's why they both have just one on i like it it makes the image even look better it does <laughs> carlos has a quote where he said i looked at my feet in my socks and thought about black poverty i'd seen from harlem to east texas i fingered my beads and thought about the pictures i'd seen of the strange fruit hang the strange fruit swinging from the pop the poplar trees of the south and they raised their fist and they said the stadium went silent and then it just erupted into the audience yelling insults and racial slurs. Because mm-hmm. racists are always stunned at first. Yeah. When somebody has the audacity to stand up for themselves or to, 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 to say a powerful message. Carlos and Smith were suspended from the Olympics and given 48 hours to leave Mexico. Carlos and Smith have both said that they received death threats after returning home. It cost both of them a marriage. For two years, they really couldn't get much work. It cost them a marriage? They said, like, the death threats and constant, like, oh, it, yeah. it was a lot to put through the marriage. Okay. I can understand it through that lens, yes. Yeah. Okay. That's fucked up. Even more. <coughs> they losing stuff over not even like a they didn't even speak that's what's so crazy uh-huh didn't even speak but it's like you can't do nothing boy <laughs> they're trying to put us in our place fast for two years they couldn't really get much work smith could only find work at a car wash at first and a gold medalist and that's all he can do not to shit on car wash people but you know it's other gold medalists would not be doing that yeah i'm just yeah yeah, we ain't shitting on car washers. And he's a record breaker. I'm just saying. They say for about 10 years, they were seen as traitors, especially by white Americans. But eventually they were both successful in their lives. I think everyone has seen that picture and there are two icons. Yeah, it's a, it's a great picture. It's an iconic picture. Yeah, and they knew there was going to be repercussions, but it it was such a small gesture, like just raising your fist in the air, but it had such a big impact. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, people knew what they meant. And because it was something different than they would, that's the thing, is that some people are racist and some people are stupid. Uh-huh. They just see something that they don't understand and they immediately hate it. Or they see something and they think it's against them and not for something or a purpose or a community or a people it's it's so it's yeah it's very um throughout the years and still though society has a lot of changing to do it's it's response to protests especially peaceful protests or sometimes a message is so warped with what the message was actually trying to say it's like the public warps it i know the national anthem was playing when they did that so it's a bunch of oh we should do the national anthem or oh well you shouldn't do it during the olympics because that's about sports not politics and then you know there's always a well not now not this is not how you do it you have to do it Mm -hmm. and really it comes down to they don't want to hear you talk exactly you have to pick your moment and you have to decide if this is what you want to say and if you're going to stand by it 
Because you're right. Yeah, they it's always, well, we don't want to talk about that or this is not the time. But when is the time? So they both had a successful life afterwards. They're both still alive, had good careers. But Norman, the Australian who was there, number two, the silver, mm-hmm. his, he did not really have that much of a comeback. Um, Norman, even though he ran the fastest time, he was snubbed by the Australian team in 1972. Since Norman was the fastest Australian, they decided just not to send a sprinter instead of sending him. Oh my God. Damn. Just because he's because mm, he wore I a button. You, these white people are vindictive. <laughs> Which he's, you know, he was white too. And but he was in solidarity with that button, and that's all they need to see, apparently. Uh-huh. That's when, crazy. They say not even send a sprinter. That's fuck Australia. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just joking. But what is really that is crazy to me. Like, oh, we we're gonna show you. We're gonna punish the Negroes and the Negro lovers. <laughs> Bruh. Yeah. Uh, when the Olympics were in Sydney in 2000, he was not invited nor recognized. What? Oh, sorry, that was loud. I'm sorry, there's people sleeping. But what? He went, it's 2000? Decades later? Decades later. In 2006, Norman sadly died, and Carlos and Smith were his pallbearers. Oh, my God. Smith described Norman as a man who believed right could never be wrong, and Carlos said, not every young white individual would have the gumption, the nerve, the backbone to stand there. And. I agree. In 2012, the Australian government finally apologized for the treatment of Norman, which a little too late, in my opinion. Australia, get your shit together. Did y'all open? Did y'all do a foundation, a scholarship, a, a road, a day? If you, I, I think there is a day. It, they it needed to be a fucking week because that's crazy. Even in 2000, y'all had y'all's nose turned up like that but i can tell you something about them kangaroos is racist so i understand australia i get you i ain't coming down there fuck this <laughs> we have a lot of australian listeners i love australian <laughs> listeners but something about the way y'all run y'all country when it comes to the black folks i'm scared all right australian listeners y'all need to tell me if i come down there is something gonna happen y'all didn't even recognize norman until 2012 yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, but so yeah, I'm glad that Smith and Carlos got their, you know, they're iconic now. But it's it's really sad that Norman never got that. Yeah, I'm I'm glad he at least got his recognition um later than never. Um, yeah, because it is important. And I can honestly respect what he did because you got to also think about it. He was standing in solidarity with two black men when he didn't have to and wore the button. I can understand why he didn't put the fist up because that could also be read the wrong way. But he stood there and he paid the consequences. Uh-huh. But yeah, I'm. oh, that's so sad. Um, That's why like this episode, like it's people who protested something and suffered the consequences for it. Yeah, I'm glad that I'm... it's kind of uh, when you see today's athletes, you know, if they kneel, it's like not so much anymore. I feel like we're kind of turning the curve on that. But it's it still gets talked about. It's still like, why are you kneeling? Why? Why? You know, why are you protesting this way? Yeah, I was I'll tell you right now, um, full throttle. I believe that the kneeling was such a big deal in the United States because we um, were going through a big racist wave with that election and then electing Trump and then all his hateful rhetoric and stupidity and ignorance and the people blindly following him and listening to everything he said and the powerful words and friends that he had um, because that also is very nonviolent, uh, very um, 
not intruding. And that was blown up to, to say that you don't love our country and you need to go, uh, you need to be shipped out of the United States and find somewhere else to live and something else to do. Yeah, I never really understood the big deal about it. Like, as someone who grew up not doing the Pledge of Allegiance, like, it wasn't that bit of a deal to me. I still don't think it's a big deal. Like, if you want to kneel, kneel. If you don't want to kneel, don't kneel. Like, mm-hmm. I don't, like, it's not like he was there, like, flipping off the flag. Like, you know? Yeah, it's brainwashing to me, if you if you think about it. Because what the fuck importance does it have about the Pledge of Allegiance? What does the Pledge of Allegiance do? Has the Pledge of Allegiance ever protected anybody? Protected their rights? Has it ever done anything? The Pledge of Allegiance only has caused trouble. It's gotten kids suspended, expelled, people fired, booted out of class. Ain't nothing good ever came from the Pledge of Allegiance. It's something that they want to force down your throat to have. You just have to be patriotic about this country that's trashed half the time. So it's like it's like a form of brainwashing. Same with the fucking national anthem. If you like it, you like it. If you don't, you don't. Why is somebody not participating in a song make you so angry that you turn racist? Yeah, I I never really got it. I I don't know, either. I'm all for like you know USA USA like as much you as much as you want. But if that's not what you're jiving with, like that's not what you're jiving with. Like isn't that the whole thing of america like do what you want to do you're free home of the free whatever that's what i'd be saying america is stolen this is not our shit who gives a fuck that's my motto (laughs) but that is our episode so the first one was billy and then the second was 1968 olympics and we do like to end every episode on a positive note yeah (laughs) Which some form of media we like. Oh, shit. Uh, Want to talk about what to... Want to explore a little. Do you want to go first? Yeah. Um, <laughs> sorry, Australia. I was heated. No, you, you have... We have lost our Australian fans and our American fans now. Hey, if, they listen, if they've listened for this long, they know I mean yeah, most I've... of what I say. <laughs> Not all of it. All right. I yeah, I guess I'll go first. Okay. Oh shit. Okay, yeah. Okay, I'll go first. My media is going to be uh the song Rhythm is a Dancer by the band group whatever Snap with an explanation point. Now I don't know if many people know the song. Um, it's an older song. Um, I only was introduced by the song from my grandmother on my mother's side. She's always been into like those like R&B, electric, funk type of musics and, and genre and songs. So I found about Rhythm as a Dancer. I feel like that's the same wave of like CC. Uh, Penniston, finally, I can't, I did not say her last name right, or like Black Box or any of those other people. And it's just a very fun song um, saying rhythm is a dancer. Uh, and it even has a little bit of terrible hip hop rhymage in it. But it's really just about the beat and the woman singing the song. And it just puts me in a good mood because, you know, I'm not a big dancer. I don't get hype a lot, but I do like to listen to happy music that makes me want to dance. And this makes me want to dance. Oh, a lot of hand dancing. Arm dancing. You know me. I, I, work, <laughs> I work these shoulders. You know me. I'm a shoulder dancer. Yeah. I don't think I heard it. I'll listen to it. You won't, but it's okay. <laughs> yes, I will. You never do. I don't know if this this definitely probably won't be your type of song, but I, I don't know. I loved it. I rediscovered it like five years ago, and then I'd be listening to it almost every day. Okay. Um, anything else you want to add for your media? No. No. Okay. That was a okay one. <laughs> <laughs> I just have nothing to add for it. Um, 
Just shit on my media. <laughs> what you got? So my media is the game Fallout 3. Oh, and I thought it was about to be the show, the game. <laughs> oh, never seen it. Fallout 3. Fallout 3. So Fallout 3 is a, there's a bunch of Fallout games. Fallout 3 was the first one I was introduced to. It's, okay. it's a real good one. I'm just going to talk about since it's the introduction one. But pretty much you can create your own character. You're in a vault after a nuclear war. You come out the vault and it's an open world game. You can be good or bad. You do what you want. In Fallout 3, they have like the radio station you can listen to. And in the radio station, they have two Billy Holiday songs. Um, they have Crazy He Calls Me and Easy Living, two great songs by her. They also have the Ink Spots on there, which I love the Ink Spots. Um, they have the civil they have the song Civilization, they have the Andrew Sisters, a bunch of old songs from like the 40s, I guess, which is cool to have in a video game, and that's like their theme that they do in there. Mm-hmm. It's is this the, the one that you showed me with the I, outfits and stuff? I think I showed you fall, a different Fallout. Fallout 3 oh, okay. is an older one. Uh, what about but Fallout it's... Boy? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I don't need to be snorted. I know. <laughs> but it's just a fun little game that I like. I like all the Fallouts. It's, usually I listen to podcasts and play Fallout good i I miss playing games uh i haven't been playing games lately the last one i played if it's not like basketball it will probably be like saints row i just love love shooting and killing (laughs) i've been just playing fallout and pokemon and mind games i always wanted to get into like in real life, or is that is it called mind games? No, it was just a joke. It's just okay. (laughs) You do. I do. Gaslighter. No. (laughs) It's okay. It's not that I want to be a gaslighter. I can admit when I'm wrong, but sometimes I'm just not going to. Um, That should go on my tombstone. But let me cut all that out. And what were you going to say about Pokemon? I was like. I always wanted to play Pokemon, but the thing is, I honestly don't know anything about it, and I'm too lazy to go through the hoops of learning oh about it to play. Oh, my God. You need to play Pokemon. Gen 9 is about to come out later this year, and I just started a new... Huh? What the? What is that? Gen 9? Generation 9. So, <laughs> it's going to be Starlet and Violet, but I'm still playing Gen 8, Pokemon Sword and Shield. I just started a new game, but they also had Pokemon Arceus, Legend of Arceus that came out this year, and I'm playing that. God damn. Okay, so the thing is, you have six Pokemon, mm-hmm. and then you become a Pokemon master, and you catch all the Pokemon, and you defeat all the people. Does it tell me how to do that, though? Yeah, it's easy. I mean, it's a kid's game. Like, you you could learn how to play Pokemon. Well, first of all, I don't like how you're coming at me. <laughs> I, I, I come asking questions, and you come shitting on me. <laughs> it's easy. Even a baby could do it, bitch. I, you played you on need... the Switch. What do you play on? The Switch? or your, The Switch. Your ex- okay, the Switch. Yeah, it's a Nintendo game. You need to play Pokemon. One of these days. Oh, that would be so cool. Then we can battle. I beat your ass, hey. <laughs> For the person who doesn't even know how to play, okay. <laughs> Why can't you let me have and build confidence? <laughs> um, but that is our episode today, unless you have anything else to add. Uh, no. Um, this was a very informative episode as far as I'm concerned. I uh, learned a lot about some stuff I didn't know. I agree. Um. We'll be back next week, like always. If you want to reach out to us, there's our Twitter or Instagram all in the description. I'm not even going to say it. But please, if you enjoyed this episode, leave us five stars, leave us a review. Um, if you Tell us what you didn't like if you didn't like the episode. I, I on this one, I don't want to hear negativity. Keep your oh, negativity to yourself. Constructive criticisms, but no racisms. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's. You know, if if you didn't like the episode, you're the problem. 
you're the problem. Maybe this wasn't for you. It wasn't for you. Go listen to Charlie Sheen. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Listen, listen. Okay, but that's all of it. Thank you guys for listening. As always, it's been wonderful. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. <laughs>